Last season, I shared a story with midwife Tiffany Haddon. During this episode, she shared both of her birth stories. One was a hospital birth, which involved an induction and an experience that she walked away not feeling as positive about the birth as she had hoped. The second story was a home birth with a private midwife in a birthing pool. And this was most certainly a beautiful, positive birth story. Unfortunately, when we uploaded this episode, the end part was cut off. So today I'm going to release this little clip, which shares Tiffany Haddon's home birth story, where she gives birth to her beautiful little son, Oakley. You're listening to Unscripted with Alex, a podcast that empowers young families to make choices that are best for them and their children. I didn't feel as though birthing in the home, in my home, was a risky option for me. And that's because I feel safest in my home. And I know that from my first experience of birth, I had such a lot of adrenaline that was in my body. And I felt as though that contributed to then labour not starting spontaneously. So I knew that home was a great place for me to be. I knew that I could make use of the physiology or the the hormonal physiology of childbirth in in that way, Um, private privacy, safety, and feeling a sense of not being observed were the things that were going to um, encourage that flow of oxytocin. So all of those things made me feel as though home was not a risky choice for me personally. And I also was very comforted by the fact that the hospital's, you know, 20 minutes down the road, and that's that feels close enough for me. I, I was quite okay with that. I prepared for a transfer into the hospital. I had a hospital bag. I um, I knew that that was something that was a potential possibility. And I got really clear on what it was that I wanted in all kinds of scenarios. I had a set of birth preferences for different situations, but I also spent quite a lot of time talking to all the people who were then going to be attending my birth about what it was that I wanted. And so I invited my mum to come along to this birth. Um, Both myself and my brother were born by cesarean section. and I really wanted her to have an opportunity to witness birth. I feel lucky as a midwife to be in the presence of birthing women and I wanted her to have that experience. So um, I, particularly for mum, I wanted her to understand where I was coming from. So I, I guess my birth preferences for the home birth scenario were really about sharing what it was that I wanted out of those support people. Um, so it was things like, you know, after the baby is born, I would like for the environment to continue to be dimly lit and not um, no chatter and no unnecessary like movements or, you know, just really calm and keeping all those same conditions that are so important in birth, um, skin to skin and all of these things, because birth is not complete until the placenta is birthed and so I I spoke to mum about that I also spoke to her about um when they arrived to the house that 
it's really also important to not come and talk to me or anything like that. I just want them to arrive into the space, a few big deep breaths, and then, um, you know, eventually move towards me if, if that feels right. So, yeah, lots of little things around all of that setup that is seemingly potentially unimportant, but those are the things that are going to make the birth less risky because the reasons that would um, introduce fear are alleviated to an extent. And you can try and create some of these things in a hospital birth as well if you weren't to do yep. a home birth. So you can try, you can say who you want to have in your room. Yeah, totally. And who you don't want to have in your room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so who was at your birth? I had my husband came home from work, I don't know, 7.30 in the evening. And I was like, we might have a baby tonight. <laughs> but also I was like, probably not going to have a baby because I'm only 40 weeks and six days. <laughs> and I was, Surely this baby's not coming that early. That seems way too early. I was prepared to go be pregnant till at least 43 weeks this time, you know, given my previous experience. Um, so I sent him out to the shed in the early part of my labor. Once I had a sense that maybe, maybe we would have a baby because I was really taken with the idea of after the baby's born, placenta's born, I really want to burn the cord. Of course, right? <laughs> I'm not in a hospital. I want a chance to try this thing that I had heard about in the birth stories that I've been listening to. I should say that birth stories were really one of the main ways that I prepared for this birth, to be honest. Like I would just listen to podcasts, back-to-back birth stories all day because I just wanted to hear what it felt like from a woman's perspective in all kinds of situations so that um, I had some reference point, I guess, um, and some language, more, even more language around what I was going through myself. Um, but, yeah, so I, uh, my husband, he was out in the shed building a little box to be able to then get some beeswax candles and burn the cord after the baby was born and so he spent you know a couple of hours in the shed sent him off with a task there we go it was great (laughs) (laughs) and that gave me the the space to then just cruise around the house my older child who was now five years old he'd already gone to bed so he was um he was sleeping and I watched some Married at First Sight, obviously. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I sat on my birth ball and I was like, oh, well, let's see if we can get this happening. Keeping, keeping moving. Yep. And the mindlessness of something really mindless. <laughs> like Married Help. at First Sight. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but I got really bored with that super quick because then everything started to to uh, build and I walked out to the shed and went and checked on the box building progress and I'm walking around this dusty shed and I'm having a few surges and I'm like, oh my goodness, this is so different to last time. There was no dusty shed. It was very clean. <laughs> yes, clean and clinical. Yeah, so um, that went on for a bit. I was looking at the stars and I was having all these endorphins and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe how good this is. And I'm, I'm sending texts to all the other people that I'm going to have at my birth. So Tony, my photographer, I sent her a text. I'm like, I might have a baby, but 
I can still write a text, so probably not. <laughs> she was like, okay, I'll get in the car. <laughs> and then my student midwife, I was like, oh, I just don't think I'm going to come to yoga tomorrow night because I think it's time to start staying home. She's like, I might not have a glass of wine. <laughs> I think I'm going to be going to a birth tonight. Yeah. And then um, I didn't ring my midwife. I forgot about her. Yes, I was going to say, where was your midwife? What do, yeah, no, where I, did you tell her? I didn't. At some point I said to um, my husband, I was like, oh, you really do need to send her a text. I, at this point it was pretty intense. There was no text writing happening. So I yeah. – Mum and dad, <clears throat> when did Oh, they... yeah, I must have texted them at some point too. Okay. And your dad came, didn't he? Yeah, okay. yeah. And so at this point, before our midwife has been called, I know you sent Dad off with a chore too to help with the the pool, the bath? Yeah, no, um, my husband was sorting out the pool once he'd finished building his box. Onto the pool. <laughs> yeah, onto the pool, yeah. Um, but it was, it was a stormy evening as well, and so apparently everyone was really worried that we were going to lose power. I didn't know any of this, but so my dad was at the shed starting up the generator and doing all those little extra tasks, Keeping the logistics stuff, yeah. So um, I, I had a really cool birth team, and they all made it because this birth, it happened really quickly in the end <laughs> and so at some point Lorelei was told that I was in labor and then she didn't hear from me for an hour or so so she rang us back and yeah. she was like okay I'll, I'll head over now and yeah of course she arrived and baby was born not too long afterwards but interestingly I was I was ready to experience all the different parts of labor that I I had learnt about and read about and heard about in stories and it just it just moved along quite without any sort of definition and and all, all the medical terminology refers to stages of labor and all of this stuff but for me experiencing that was not that it was it was just flowing and um i i was experiencing some intensity but i was also feeling pretty pretty amazing i just remember sitting on the toilet at one point and um i got really fixated on whether the pool was filled and ready for to receive me <laughs> And they were still madly trying to fill that pool out in the lounge room. So did you want to so, get in the pool earlier yeah, than you were yeah. able to? Oh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, at some point. But you um, you did say that you went onto the toilet a few times. Was that just to be in a, in a smaller room or because you felt that was a comfortable position? Or Yeah, so I, in, pod, in podcasts or uh, in birth stories, I had heard about the toilet being the dilation station and I was like oh yeah that's where I'll go hang out uh but also I was sort of forced onto the, the toilet a little bit as well because my husband at one point was like the water's gonna run like the hot water's gonna run out and you want the pool don't you so did you eat dinner that night oh yeah okay yeah, so dinner as normal. So paint the picture because I can see it in my mind because I have seen photos. You eventually 
you had the pool field. Mm-hmm. What was your surroundings like? How did you have the room set up and the mask? And everything? Oh, yeah, the mask. That was something I was so drawn to in my, in my labor. So I was sitting on this toilet and I'm laboring away. At some point I'd done my own vaginal examination because, you know, midwife in labor, that's – I really did not want to do that. I just – in that moment, decided I wanted to see if the baby's head was there. And I was like, oh, I'm four centimetres, and that feels like a bottom. <laughs> it was not a bottom. It was just memories. Okay. But <laughs> I was like, okay, I'll have a breech baby. <laughs> we'll roll with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, the mask bit was really cool because I just needed darkness. So I, I went and I got this mask and I put it on my eyes and I was – fully in my bubble internally just rolling with the movements and the motions and the baby and all all the things that were going on in my body and the mask really helped me to do that um so then once I once my midwife and my student midwife arrived they I was like can I get in the pool and I don't know why I was asking them but anyway they were there and then they helped to support me into the pool but the space that we had set up was um so a birth pool in the center of the room I wasn't too fussed on using it in my pregnancy whether I would birth on land or birth in the water but as it turned out that's what I wanted um I had affirmations on my wall that I had been looking at each night during times of being awake um in the middle of the night I had few fairy lights had lit some candles incense I had beautiful music playing and yeah it was all all the things that I had hoped for yeah did you have a mirror in the pool were you able to see um your boy come out so I as soon as I just sort of sunk into that embrace of the water I I laid onto my back and it felt so wrong and so I had to go into more of a forward-leaning position over the edge of the pool, which I had seen that women loved that when they were birthing their babies, and that also felt really great for me. And then I didn't feel as though I needed to see my baby on a mirror. I'd seen so many births, and I was visualising in my mind's eye these beautiful births, these babies emerging just gently gently as I breathe my baby down and I felt every millimeter of this baby coming down and it felt great like it was it was what I had been working towards since I stepped out of hospital all those years before and so um it was really exciting and I guess it was actually at that point that I believed that I was going to birth my baby or you know that I was in labor even I until that point I'd been in denial so um but the thing that really motivated me was being um placing my hands down in the water and feeling the top of my baby's head coming out and so I felt that just as the first part of baby's head emerged and then um later on once the baby's had had been fully born I put my hand down again and I was able to feel the baby's face and then instinctively I brought my knee up I'm in kind of that all fours sort of position and yeah as I did that and moved into like back onto my back again baby slipped out had a cord around the neck very 
very common, not something I was concerned about, but I know that many people worry about that. Um, it's actually around about one in three babies are born with a cord around their neck. So Laura Lee just gave me some support to unravel this baby and then I was able to bring him up onto my chest. And that was the birth. Beautiful. And it was so right for me. You talk about transition or you have spoken about transition to me mm. before around what that could feel like uh, a time when people tend to get a bit panicky maybe or start to say, I can't do this. Yeah. I want to yeah. go home. If you're home, I want to <laughs> you know, yeah. get out of here. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you feel that? Because I know you were preparing to – or you were kind of excited about yeah, yeah. Know, knowing what, what that? that was and feeling that. Did did that happen for you? No. No transition? No. I feel as though the transition part was me being like, is the pool ready? <laughs> that was the extent of it. I was, yeah, I was really fixated on this pool being being ready. I don't think I vocalised that, though. I just was um, saying to everyone that, or, yeah, saying to myself I need to be in the pool, yeah, and that was getting... the transition. But, yes, yeah, certainly um, that would be a time where many women will, will share their thoughts about everybody in the room <laughs> or the situation that they then want to be in, which might be at home or not. Yeah. in that situation and as your baby was coming out leo your other son yeah where was he yep so he uh i guess after i had felt that the baby's head was right there i asked someone to go and wake wake leo um he was asleep it was midnight so um i think mum went and got him and he groggily came out and joined us by the side of the pool and held my hand at one point and then yeah, he was very disappointed when he realised that this baby was not a girl baby. It was a boy baby. And he really wanted a sister. Aww. <laughs> oh, he wouldn't have it any other way now. No. <laughs> they'll, they'll be best mates when they're older. Yes. Yep. Yep. And so that was the birth. And then I stepped out of the pool after a little amount of time. Placenta was born as I stepped out of the pool. This was probably 10 minutes or so after giving birth. So as you stepped out, you could feel the placenta just fall out or like, how did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> Mine didn't fall out. How did yeah. yours? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess I, part of that movement, that gravity really was helping the placenta, but there had already been a little separation bleed in the water um and that happens as the placenta detaches from the uterine wall um and so I had seen that but I wasn't really that focused on any of that because my main focus was my baby and oh my goodness I've done it and catching my breath and all of those things and so the placenta although it is such an important part of the birth I had actually said to whoever, I don't know if it was the midwife. I mean, midwives know about this stuff. But um, I I had said that I didn't want to have to think about the placenta. That was something that I would, that would happen. And if after 45 minutes or an hour I, the placenta was not yet out, then um, if someone could just remind me. Because the whole idea was that by focusing on my baby and, and having that skin to skin, that would continue to encourage the flow of oxytocin which is then protective for um for bleeding and 
releasing the placenta and all of those sorts of things that's what you want your body to be doing so that all just happened and then at some point the um when I stood up to step out of the pool, the placenta, uh, the placenta was there in my vagina, and I just <laughs> I gave a little a little push <laughs> and went flying onto the floor, <laughs> bungeed the cord. <laughs> Lucky it was a long cord, <laughs> and you know, sort of the fishing fishing it up. Of course, because was. Um... Maybe still there, joined to the placenta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always kind of a bit of a funny situation, the placenta bit, and getting out of the pool is always challenging. Actually, the pool is always fun and games, like from start to finish. I have been attended births where I've been trying to pump the water out after mum and baby are tucked tucked up in bed and um i've put the pump in but then the hose attachment has come apart and then there's water on the ceiling you know like birth water (laughs) the pool is always fun yeah and usually there's like issues with it being too hot or too cold or it definitely is a task It sounds like such a beautiful story, Um, that experience, just uh, magical. And you wrote this one all down. Um, Mm. So you have a very – you did it straight away, didn't you? You wrote the story down. Yes. So I had this most beautiful, amazing shower in my own shower and then I was tucked up in my own bed and then we got the cord burning box and we did the cord burning and released the placenta from baby and we did all of this like a couple of hours after – um, Bubs was born. Um, the team left at some point. They all went home and had a little sleep themselves. And then, yeah, it just felt all very simple and easy. And we all went to bed and that was that. But I was wired. I was just so high on all the hormones and all the good stuff. And so while I was having these beautiful early breastfeeds with my baby, I'm there on my phone writing out my birth story. And so this birth story that I've written in maybe several hours after having given birth is very flourished in the language that I used because I just was so euphoric you know and um and so when I read this story I'm like wow I was peak creative point in my life (laughs) (laughs) and so it's a really um a really nice thing to have and I I wish that I had a story like that for my first birth but my story was so different at that time and that's just the interesting thing about all of this isn't it evolve and change yeah Mm. and like you said that first birth is still a beautiful gift for you because mm. of the well, mainly you have a beautiful boy from it. What an oh, amazing yeah. gift. Yeah. But also it set you on this amazing pathway to be a supporter of other women going through this process to allow you to have this next experience with a home birth and for you to create Um, have this bigger vision and mission now for what you want to be able to do with other women, right? What's your hope going forward? I was really grateful for the seeds that were planted for me in that first pregnancy by this midwife in the antenatal classes, who of course then became my midwife for the second birth. But um, so I really 
wanted to be able to share some of that with some other families. And so one of the ways that I've been able to do that as, mm. is by becoming this uh, positive birth program practitioner and sharing this kind of information with families all across regional WA. And that feels like, I don't know what the word is, I, f- I feel so grateful and um honoured to have that opportunity to be able to be doing that Um, and the way that that happens is of course with COVID there's no face-to-face antenatal education classes happening currently and so I am able to bring these classes to families via telehealth which is a zoom call and that is really awesome because people are able to access this information regardless of where they are so suddenly um uh, distance doesn't mean that people can't come to the classes or if partners are working they can't uh, it may, doesn't mean that they miss out on on doing the education and and all of that is just so important because whilst the woman and her baby are at the center of all of this it's those support people in the periphery that play such a big role also and so partners who can gain this understanding of what birth is and then have the tools to be able to support their 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 people through this this rite of passage that we all move through regardless of what the the birth itself looks like um it's just so important and yeah so that's pretty pretty awesome that side of things in terms of midwifery um i am very lucky and i feel so honored to be part of anybody's birth and um for whatever snippet of time i get to be involved in those stories i I feel lucky to have um and so my my goal with that is to be able to support women to to make the choices that they want to make and by by giving them information that they need to be able to then make those choices but then also supporting whatever those choices are um along the way and so I might encounter women during the pregnancy in an antenatal clinic I might be there with them at the birth at the hospital or I might be visiting at home after baby's born and supporting with breastfeeding that kind of thing as well so if any of the listeners want to be able to reach out to you or find you or get information Mm -hmm. or do one of your courses or anything like that where would they be able to find you yeah, so since I work for WA Country Health, I um, I guess in order to access these antenatal classes that we, we provide as a telehealth service, um, there is a an email address to get that yep. information. So I'll give that to you to put in the show notes. But um, I think that that's the best way to access information about the classes themselves. It's going to be the most streamlined streamlined way. (laughs) I do have a a private Instagram, but I'm not active on it. So um, people are welcome to to message me via via Instagram. But yeah, I'm not putting a whole lot of content out there in the world. So (laughs) I might not be the most engaging follow. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if there's any specific questions people want, they can ask me even on my Instagram and I will certainly certainly they can Uh, thank you so much for your time and sharing your two amazing stories Uh, I have 
so many questions and so many topics that we can talk about. And I think we will be back with doing another podcast, hopefully in the next very near future, because there's lots of topics we can cover. So much we can talk about. And we haven't even touched on breastfeeding. Oh my gosh. I, I do need to talk about that just briefly. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Because I've talked about the positive birth program, but I have to say there's also the most amazing additional program to all of that. Actually, there are two. There's the positive cesarean program and there is also the fourth trimester breastfeeding and early parenting program that we want run as well. And within that program, there are just so many little Uh, valuable bits of information and it's a program that I I guess I've put together with information that I really would have wanted to know as a new parent Um, and we've been receiving some really positive feedback around all of that as well so that program's still evolving all the time but it's it's awesome so um, if anyone is interested in accessing that they could also make contact the same way well i'll put the names of those courses in the show notes as well so they can find them um because they sound amazing yes thank you tiffany thank you so much for having me alex it's been a delight